This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. If you're listening to this episode and don't want to wait till next week to hear where the story goes, head over to Spotify. All episodes of the Cam Chronicles are available for you to binge for free right now in the Ringer NFL show feed. I think he was trying to map out how to bounce back from, you know, a mistake. You don't leave the University of Florida to come to Blinn without having made a pretty decent-sized mistake. Brad Franchoni is the head football coach at Blinn College, a tiny junior college in Brenham, Texas. One day, in 2008, he got a call from a pastor named Cecil Newton, who asked Coach Fran, as he known around Blinn, to add his son Cam to the team. Coach Fran had never heard of Cam Newton, so he fired up his computer to find some highlights of his quarterback recruit. Deeper left side, Newton. Oh, hello! <laughs> oh, dear! The first moment I remember seeing Cam was kind of a wow. Like, I hadn't seen many quarterbacks like him in our level at junior college. Fran met Cam and Cecil in nearby Houston in January 2009. Cecil did the talking. Cam barely spoke, but Fran was impressed. I told uh, Cecil Newton in our one face-to-face opportunity to talk that with his son, I felt like we could win a national championship. A week later, Cam and Cecil returned to Houston and made the 75-mile drive down I-290 west to Brenham. On the way, Cam Googled the names of his future teammates. Instead of finding football players, his search turned up a doctor from Austin, a massage therapist from Montana. He thought to himself, what the hell am I walking into? There's very little in Brenham except Bluebell Ice Cream Factories, Barbecue, and Blinn College. Halfway between Houston and Austin, Brenham is a speck in the heart of Bluebonnet country, home to around 15,000 folk who operate mainly on farmland and football. Cecil and Cam pulled into Fran's driveway for dinner. His house sits right next to Blinn's Creaky Stadium, which is right across the street from Old Main, an administrative building that almost looks regal on Blinn's simple campus. Just around the corner is a brick building called uh, the Classroom Building? Yeah, that's where Cam was study. Cecil understood that his son, already shaken from his experience in Florida, was in for a culture shock. I didn't want the burden of this transition to get the best of him psychologically and the way he was really beating himself up. I said, bro, this is a business trip. This is a 12-month business trip. Buy in. Do your job. Go to class. Pass in your work, stay out of trouble, and keep your hope, faith, and trust in God. Cecil wanted Cam to stay focused. You imagine psychologically what goes through your head? He was broken. Leaving Florida, he's broken. This is the Cam Chronicles. I'm Tyler R. Tynes. 
Before Cecil left Brenham to return to Atlanta, he had a message for Fran. I'll trust you with my son. I'm leaving him in your custody. My son needs this to heal and redirect himself. And y'all should know by now, Cecil doesn't just leave his child with anybody. But he knew if Cam ever wanted to get back to major college football, they had to take a chance. After Cecil left, Fran turned to Cam. Here was this hugely talented but vulnerable 19-year-old boy who was uncertain of his future, totally alone in Brenham. Fran felt for him. He wanted to help Cam settle into his strange new life as best he could. So he took Cam over to the dorms himself. We went to the dorm. The dorm resident manager said it's too late. It's past check-in time. We can't get him in. Cam's dad's on a flight back to uh, Atlanta. Cam doesn't have any money. I can't pay for him to stay in a hotel. He spent the night at my house. I remember giving him a pillow and blanket. Got, being a little bit embarrassed because, you know, here he's this huge guy and he's going to sleep on our couch. I'm not even sure our couch is big enough. Cam's dorm wasn't that much bigger than Fran's couch. 100 square feet. He didn't have a TV. He didn't have a car. He was given a team t-shirt, one pair of cleats, and one pair of socks. If he wanted gloves or the armbands he coveted, he had to buy them himself. Same for the shoes. He had to wash his own practice jersey, too. And he had trouble sleeping. Cam woke up several times almost every night to the pastoral sounds of his new environment. There's cow patties within 100 feet of where he was sleeping. Well, there's a certain solitude to being in that situation. Blim was Cam's chance of salvation to redeem his reputation in his football career. The Buccaneers at Blim were a solid team. Juco champions three years prior to Cam's arrival. Cecil said Cam had offers to go other places, but Blim offers something unique. Anonymity, yeah. Humility, of course. But it also gave Cam the chance to turn a team into a champion. Still, isolation wore on Cam. I was just lost. No family members close. And for so long, my, my first couple of months there, I was fighting depression. Like, I was like, man, I, I don't know if this football thing is for me. If it was hard for Cam, it was also hard on his teammates. A player of Cam's caliber doesn't just arrive at a small program like Blim without massively changing the dynamics of the team. Someone had to make way for Cam. That someone was Sean Rutherford. I got a call from a guy from Brennan Press asking me what I thought about the transfer that we had coming in. When that reporter called me, I guess he thought I had already had the information, so I hit Coach Fran, like, man, what's up? Like, you ain't gonna give me that, give me that inside. Sean was Blinn's backup quarterback the year before Cam arrived. Sean was entering his sophomore year and was ready to be the starter. Sean had paid his dues, and it was kind of his turn. He was there to be a quarterback, and so I told Sean that, you know, we'd still keep an open competition. We'd make sure and find a way for him to add value to our program. I wanted to make sure that I didn't lose Sean because I brought Cam. To help ease any possible tension, the coaches called a meeting in the student center to introduce Cam and Sean to each other. And let me be honest for a second, y'all. I thought Sean would hate Cam. I mean, who would blame him if he did? Sean had bought his time and earned his opportunity. Then, without telling him, 
This coach has brought in a former five-star quarterback, a SEC castaway, to take his job. That should piss off anybody, right? First thing he said to me, we actually shook hands, introduced ourselves, and he asked me if I wanted to get on the ping pong table. We were both super competitive, so we sat there and we played ping pong for probably two hours after meeting each other. And then after me and him played each other, we ended up calling out everybody else on the team who wanted to play and they're playing two-on-two. So, I mean, you put the two best together. Nobody was beating us. Well, I couldn't have been more raw. Hell, Sean and Cam, apparently, they were cut from the same cloth. They were boys. But eventually, they have to battle it out for the starting job. It started at practice. Blend's coaches wanted to challenge Cam to remind him that he needed them, not the other way around. Cecil had told offensive coordinator Ronnie Feldman that he wanted Cam to be humble. Ronnie readily heeded Cecil's message. Humbling young players was his favorite part of the job. He's always been a really, really good player. He's a tall, nice-looking guy, so things have always gone his way. He's an 18-, 19-year-old kid that's testing the system, and the system is not going to let him get away with what he wants to do. It's going to make him do what we want him to do. Cam's coach had a lot of work ahead of him. It started in the weight room. When it was time to squat, Cam turned to Fran and told him that squatting wasn't part of his workout regimen. Fran was incredulous. Never once at the University of Florida did coaches make him squat. Cam told Fran he wouldn't do it. Well, uh, look, y'all, they ain't really going to cut it down here. Florida and Texas are some different dogs entirely. Fran had to let Cam know that the players of Blinn's football team, they squatted deep. I basically said, hey, look, you're not in Florida anymore. This is Brenham, Texas, Hoss. And our players squat. And he fought me, and he fought me. Cam eventually relented, and while he was known to challenge his coaches at times, he followed Fran's rules. And it ain't take too long for him to stand out in practice. One day, Fran split up the players into two teams for a tug-of-war challenge. He selected captains to pick the teams. Cam naturally was a captain. The other one was the team giant, Andre McGaskey. Andre McGaskey is a six foot seven, six foot eight, four hundred pound offensive tackle who transferred in from Texas. He's a beast. It looks like a predator. I mean, guy has the hair like the predator. Cam's team faced off against Andre's squad. Cam's team won the first round. Andre's squad took the second. It was a tie. I just tell him, hey, look, we gotta have a pull-off. Winner take all. Sean knew the stakes were high for Cam in a moment. Cam was still kind of trying to earn his respect around the team. Nobody really liked the transfers because they felt like they had it made and they felt like they were better than everybody. So, Cam challenged Andre. Cam ended up calling the O-lineman out. It wasn't, they just ended up matching up. Cam called him out. I remember Andre grabbing the tire and standing up and I remember looking over at Cam's team and Cam turned around and looked at his team and turned back around and I remember thinking, there's no way I can let this kid pull against this offensive tackle. God, if he gets hurt, I am in so much trouble. This is not a good idea. Cam and Andre take their places and look at each other in the eye. They start pulling. And it looks like Cam is winning. And I'll be named if he doesn't pull that offensive tackle five yards across the stripe. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Did he just, like, I remember everybody on the team being like, whoa. <laughs> okay, we knew he was... 
athletic, fun, joke. But he just pulled this guy across the street. Now you get an idea of what kind of power he's got. After that, ain't nobody questioned Cam's willingness to fight hard for the team. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. The team of Fran's dreams was coming together under the blaze of the Texan heat. Football was in the air in Brenner. But the coaches still hadn't decided who was going to be the quarterback. Cam or Sean? We pushed each other. We stayed after practice every day. Man, either the sun goes down or somebody cramping up. We couldn't do it no more. During spring practices, there were moments when Sean took the QB1 reps. Cam had to play backup, meaning sometimes Cam would be the holder for field goal attempts. He yelled across the field to Fran, I ain't come to Brennan to hold no damn field goals. I came to play quarterback. It came down to a QB battle held in practice. Sean held his own, but Cam torched the field. When the competition was over, the coaches posted the results. Walked in, checked the depth chart. I think he graded out like a 97, 98 that day. I think I was like 85, 87, but he had a hell of a day that day. Now, if Cam is the starter, the team got to preparing for the season. They just uh, had to do it with some constraints. Junior college is a different breed. When it rained, the Buccaneers had to find a dry place to practice. The school's gym was occupied. So they packed up their cars, drove to a farm, and took shelter in the next available dwelling. We literally practiced in the barn with the cows, horse shit on the ground, pigs running around. Like I'm saying, like some ultimate Juco stuff. Imagine dozens of college kids in a barn filled with livestock. Now imagine them lined up to do a drill called the pirate roll, which is when you roll in the ground to one length of the field, sorry, barn, and crawling all fours like an animal back the other way fitting, right? We had teammates having to literally do their pirate role next to cow shit, the pigs, and all that. This is junior college football. University of Florida and the glamour of the SEC was far away in the rearview mirror. The facilities, to put it bluntly, were a dumpster fire. The locker rooms were home to wasp nests in the corners of the ceilings. Players couldn't take showers because crickets blanketed the floors. But even if there wasn't that much money, Fran wanted to keep their stadium, which was basically falling apart, up and running for as long as possible. And he thought, hey, why not build some characters of my players at the same time by making them sweat? Fran also made us paint the stadium. And it wasn't with like no big roller brush. It was like the little two, three-inch brush, and it was 108 degrees outside. The players would alternate painting shifts between weightlifting sessions. The offense would have a turn, and the defense. Players like Cam and Sean were skeptical of Fran's reasoning. He just wanted us to do it. He was nuts like that. 
Most players didn't come to JUCO for fun or by choice. It's a way station, a stepping stone to a better place, a bigger program. To get out of Blinn, they had to work. A brutal, back-breaking hustle. It has to be tough love at the junior college because, again, you have so many egos. You have guys who really don't want to be there. You might have a few guys that were in jail before, some dudes 100 up to 500 miles away from home. Like You have to have some type of father figure around to keep you in line. Cam knows a thing or two about overbearing father figures. He also can't help himself when the opportunity for some good-natured mischief presents itself. Now, Fran rode a golf cart to get around campus. One day... Cam and Sean saw the golf cart outside of Fran's office, with the keys still in the ignition. He look at me, I look at him. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Hop in Fran's golf cart. <laughs> Take off. We're all around campus. Next thing we know, see the cop car rolling behind us. I'm like, damn. So Fran, <laughs> Fran knew it was pretty much us. He was pissed about that. The Cam are old, the one who delighted in pranks and silly jokes. He was still there. That's just him. Like, 24-7, he's a child. He's just a big child. Like, he's just a big kid. Like, the dude loves life. He, he, he lives with no regrets. Cam would always make up for his shenanigans with humor. Like the time he freestyled rap before a game on a local news channel, KBTX, cussing and everything. In the bed, I'm real hot, yeah. to the sim, yeah. I'm on TV, yeah. it don't matter. Yeah. I'm talking boys, talking that child. Yeah. Cam was fun, a prankster and a jokester. His teammates loved that. Cam was competitive. They could get behind that too. But Cam came to blend to mature. Remember, Cecil entrusted Fran to transform Cam Newton. Some of the things I'd said to Cecil in recruiting was every day I'd spend some time with Cam teaching him how to be a leader. He has some innate qualities, you know, he's born with it, right? He's the biggest guy in the room. Sometimes what you could argue is the most athletic, but mentally he was still relatively young in his maturity as a leader. Every morning after class, Cam went to Fran's office for leadership meetings. That was pretty grueling for me because I had to have some kind of leadership lesson ready for him every day. And if I didn't, he told me. And well, I'm not very good today, Coach. It's got to be better than this. They go out for practice on the field. And Cam would ask, why are we doing this, Coach? And Brad would grumble some authoritarian answer. I remember thinking to myself, it's kind of a bullshit answer you're giving this kid. And it got to the point where as I started figuring out what we were going to do on a weekly basis, whether it was practice or off-season, at the bottom of my schedule, I would write my answer for Cam because I knew he was going to ask me, why are we doing this, Coach? And if I gave him a good answer, no questions. Good to go, ready to go. If I gave him a bad answer, I could tell he was puzzled. So then now it's like, I can't bullshit my players and expect them to go out there and play hard. Cam made Fran work harder than he ever had before. Fran would bring additional books home and leave him on his nightstand to study. It's what Cam demanded. Cam was working his ass off, too. He watched film extensively. After every throw in practice, he asked his receivers how catchable the ball was. If he wasn't satisfied, Cam made him stay after practice and work until they got it to his liking. Coach Ronnie remembers how Cam would direct the entire practice, on offense 
and defense. He would challenge the other group on the other side in practice. Hey, I'm throwing the ball to the receiver. You're covering it. I'm going to beat him. I promise you we're going to throw five touchdowns. We're going to get you, and I'm going to throw it right over you. This play. Ain't nothing you do about it. We're going to get after your butt. What would you do as a defensive back? I'm going to play hard. I'm going to get after that guy. Ronnie realized it was a sign of Cam's potential. He's got it. Because there's a lot of people that got it. But a lot of people don't know how to transfer to other people. That's the key he could do. He could talk to me and you and get you convinced we can get this done. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the fall of 2009, Blaine kicked off the season against Butler Community College, number one ranked JUCO team in the nation. Cecil traveled to Brenham for it. His first time back on campus is the day he dropped Cam off. Cam didn't play well in front of Cecil that first game. The Buccaneers were off to a rough start. We were losing 17 to 7. And I was in shock. I thought we were a lot better than that team. And Cam had played really poorly. I remember talking to the team in the halftime, and I remember looking over at Cam and saying, hey, man, are you having fun? Because he didn't look like he was having fun. And uh, I said, look, man, if you're going to play this game, you got to have fun with it. It's not always going to work out the way you want it to. Just go out there and have fun. Cam gets back out on the field, and looks like he's finally enjoying himself. He plays an unbelievable second half. That was kind of one of those moments where I knew his demeanor at practice, everything we did as a team, I needed him all in. Blim beat Butler 24-17. After that, the massacres began. Without Cecil at the games, Cam turned it all the way on. The competition was no match for Blim with Cam under center. And Cam had a way of getting under his opponent's skin. He would showboat something crazy. He would aim an imaginary bazooka at his teammates in the end zone. He ran behind referees and pulled penalty flags from their back pockets. He lined up his guys and used a fake bowling ball to mow them down like pins. He dove like Superman across the goal line. Against Tyler Juco, Cam wasn't giving any footballs to warm up with. So he walked over to the sideline and let them know how he felt about it. He told the other team, coaches and everybody, that He was there to kick their butt, and the women of Tyler would be rolling with him after he did. Fran, Southern gentleman that he is, is uh, paraphrasing. What he said to the coaches was uh, more colorful. Blinn won the game 60-31. to It was emblematic of how a lot of Cam's Juco season went. Flamboyance mixed with fire. Pugnacity fused with power. He wanted you to know that you couldn't beat him. There was only one time during the season when things didn't go his way. In a game against Navarro, Cam busted his ankle. Sean, 
who'd been the backup quarterback and also a starting receiver, had to take over the game in his stead. Blinn lost by three points. And Cam? Well, Cam wasn't really the same after that. Man, Cam, he was our spark plug. Cam talked the most shit out of anybody that I know. Like, he was a loudmouth. He, he, he never shut up. But that week after we lost to Navarro, like, we would go to the weight room to lift weights. He was sitting on the curb, and he just wasn't talking to nobody. Cam was their leader, and he was starting to bring the rest of the team down with him. Sean tried to get Cam to snap out of his funk. People thrived off Cam's energy. Once his energy kind of shot down, everybody else on the team kind of saw it. But at one point, Cam remembered the words from his mother, Jackie. In the 2014 video series, Huddle Up, she said she gave her son words of encouragement. Cam got discouraged, but, you know, his father and, and myself, me, I will always try to motivate him to just stay focused, stay in the race, don't give up. Cam told his teammates he would never lose a game again. And, well, he damn sure didn't. Lynn rattled off wins against their rivals, beating Tyler Juco again, getting revenge against Navarro all the way toward a national championship game against Fort Scott in the freezing cold of Kansas. Cecil wasn't going to miss it. He hadn't watched Cam play since the first game of the season when his son was shook by his presence. Now Pops is back, but Fran didn't want Cam to know that Cecil was there. The only other game that Cecil ever came to, Cam didn't know he was coming. He's setting a box where Cam couldn't see him at the national championship game. Because I was worried that Cam was trying to do things and play differently when Dad was watching. With Cecil shepherded into the press box out of Cam's sight, Blaine got rolling, per usual. That is, until Cam's competitive nature got the squad in trouble. This fool hurt his shoulder diving into the end zone and landed on his throwing shoulder. Sean stands in again, only this time, the stakes couldn't be higher. That's my time to shine in the netty. Cam goes into the locker room to get a cortisone shot in his shoulder. Cam went in, got a shot, came right back out, kept it rolling. A receiver runs a kickback for a touchdown with less than 15 seconds in the game. Blinn wins, 31-26. The players were ecstatic. Cam soaks it all in and lays in the end zone with his pads on. Everything they built had come to fruition. But hold on. Despite Cam's accomplishments, he didn't win MVP of the league. And he was only honorable mention on the All-America team. Rival coaches were tired of the dancing, the jarring, the extra. Well, Cam was pretty flamboyant. And when he had success on the field, he wasn't always worried about whose feelings he was hurting or whether or not it was great sportsmanship. Some people could interpret it the wrong way. And, uh, you know, the people that voted for those awards, they got beat by him. And then all of a sudden you cast your ballots and uh, you've got a guy who's not an MVP getting the award. Juco politics aside, Cam still got exactly what he wanted. The business trip was a success. He was the number one player in the nation, in Juco or high school. In 12 games, he racked up more than 3,400 all-purpose yards, 22 touchdowns in the air, and 16 touchdowns on the ground. He came in the blend with, with one goal on his mind, well, one big goal. He wanted to win the natty, get out of there, get his name back. 
to this day, he's still probably one of the hardest workers I know. Like I've had so many people that didn't know that I knew Cam. They was like, oh, he's so fake. Like the smile is fake. Like he's so cocky. Just from knowing him, dude busts his ass for everything that he's had. When Cam left Blinn, the program changed overnight. Transfer from Boston College wanted to come down to Brenham. Joe Montana's son was even willing to leave California to play for Fran. He took a small country farm town with a junior college in it and turned it into one of the hottest places for junior college athletes to consider. Twelve months ago, Cam walked into Brenham, defeated. And now, he's the greatest player in a program's history and changed the landscape of junior college football overnight. Various sports pundits said, when Cam Newton left Florida, we weren't going to hear from him again. Thank God they're not God. Another glory story. Another jersey retirement. Kids still come to blend these days and try to wear number two. Just get turned away at the door. I mean, can you blame them? If you told me a washed-up prep star flamed out of the SEC, walking to an unknown outpost in Texas only to come out soaring, like a phoenix, wiping the ashes from the fire off his shoulder as he flew into the sunset? <laughs> Boy, I tell you to pitch that script to HBO. But it actually happened. Brenham, Texas remains relatively anonymous to this day. But if you drive around Alamo Street or down Main, past Prairie Lee Street by Nathan's Barbecue, you'll find the same ground Cam walked. The locals will tell you, sometimes even pointing to the flags on Blinn's campus that still cast his visage. Brenham, Texas is only known for a few things these days. Bluebell ice cream, Blinn College, and Cam Newton. Next time on the Cam Chronicles. He said, I want to be a top 10 pick. I want to win the Heisman Trophy. I want to have a chance to win the national championship. And I looked him in the eye and said, if you allow me to coach you hard, we'll have a chance to do all three. The Cam Chronicles was written and reported by me, Tyler R. Tynes, and edited by Connor Nevins. The show was produced by Kara Kornhaber, Isaac Lee, and Noah Malale, and sound designed by Isaac Lee. If you're listening to this episode and don't want to wait till next week to hear where the story goes, head over to Spotify. All episodes of the Cam Chronicles are available for you to binge for free right now in the Ringer NFL show feed.